You're listening to the Next Generation Gym Owners People and Profits Podcast, where we focus on taking your passion and turning it into your profits. Join us for interviews with business experts, industry influencers, and more. Let's get to it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Next Generation Cheer and Gymnastics Owners Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Cotton, and today we are going to be talking about preparing your parents and athletes for team placements or team announcements or tryouts or whatever it is you want to call it. Now, before we get into the episode, as always, I'm going to remind you to go and join our Facebook groups. If you are gym owners or gym owners and coaches, that is uh, All-Star Cheer and Gymnastics Owners or all-star cheer coaches and owners or cheer coaches and owners uh, Facebook group and head over to nextgenowners.com, subscribe to our blogs. And as always, like, share, subscribe to the podcast, share this with someone who would get something great out of it. We want our message to get out to get out to more great owners, more coaches who need to hear these messages. So make sure you are sharing it far and wide. Thank you to those of you who have shared it. I've heard from so many listeners over the last couple months who have said they listen to this podcast almost religiously. They listen every week or every episode. And it just means so much to me to have so many people listening to these messages and getting something out of it. So thank you to everyone who is a longtime listener. Please continue sharing. Uh, I want these these bits of knowledge to get out to as many people as possible. So let's get into the episode, right? We're talking about preparing our parents and athletes for team placements, team announcements, etc. Now, it is that time of year when I'm recording this. It is at the end of May. A lot of people have had their initial level evaluations or tryouts. Some people have already placed teams. Uh, some people are getting ready to go into that. And it is a somewhat stressful time. And I I talked about stress on my last episode, and this is talked about a lot on social media right now. I feel like every time I get onto ASGA or our all-star coaches and owners page, uh, there's someone talking about a challenge that they're having with an athlete or with a parent not understanding. And so it's a common topic. Now, how your parents respond to your team placements has a direct correlation to how you have prepared them to respond and how your culture in your gym runs. You can make a huge difference in this process and you can actually remove a lot of stress from yourself. Now, you cannot control everyone or everyone's response because let's let's be honest, you can't fix crazy and some people are just crazy or just don't want to actually learn and grow in their knowledge and you can't you can't solve that. But you can mitigate this for the vast majority of your clients by doing some of the things we're going to talk about in this episode. Now, some of the steps are hard to apply right now uh, because some of them you should have been applying a month or two ago, um, but you can still start now, especially if you haven't had tryouts, you can start early. If you haven't placed teams, you can start now with a lot of this stuff. Um, You may be able to utilize some of these things now, and you may just want to take notes and plan for the future so you can have a less stressful team placement, team evaluation process next season. So you can leave whatever you are experiencing now in the past. So my three recommendations and the the three ways we're going to really focus on how to prepare your athletes and parents for team placements and reduce your level of stress is number one, 
be transparent with what you are looking for. Number two, let them hear from you how placement processes work. And number three, educate, communicate, and cultivate. All right, now getting into each one of those and breaking them down. Number one is be transparent with what you are looking for. One of the biggest errors we make is we don't tell parents or we don't tell athletes what it is that we're expecting. And we go in with just a general, hey, you should understand cheerleading because I understand cheerleading or your athlete should understand cheerleading because they've done cheerleading. And we don't tell them what skills we're really looking for. And that is an error. We want to make sure that they understand exactly what our expectations are. And there are a couple ways to do this. One way, the way we do it, is we have a rubric similar to what you would see on a score sheet. And our rubric lays out tumbling skills that we are looking to see from athletes that would indicate they are a specific level tumbler. And that's how we do our initial level placements. So we have this rubric. It is communicated far and wide. It is not secret. We put it out there. We put it on our website. We make sure everyone who's going to try out has it. We review it with the athletes before their level evaluations. We go over it in detail and we make sure that they understand how our rubric works. They understand the low, medium, and high range. They understand what we're looking for in technique. They understand where they need to fall to actually be placed in a level, which is they have to be at least in the medium range, if not the high range, to be considered solidly a level. And We really have focused on being super, super transparent with what we are looking for. And then even beyond that, we want to make sure that we're really transparent with what we're looking for in terms of placing teams. We want to be communicating throughout our process of what it is we're looking for, what it is we're needing, where the team dynamics are at or or the group dynamics are at as we go into placing our teams. Another way to be really transparent with skills expected, uh, I saw a program do this very, very well this year, is they posted, uh, actually a couple programs did this, they posted videos on their social media and they showed athletes demonstrating the skills that they were looking for in each level. We want to see these three or four or five tumbling skills um, or a combination thereof. And this is the technique that we're looking for them to be done in. And they did really great video um examples, which I think was awesome. It educated parents, it educated athletes, it educated everyone at the same time. And especially for parents who may not be able to like read a rubric like ours, they're able to watch that and say, oh, I've, I've never seen my kid do that. So maybe they aren't level three or man, when my kid does their tuck, they don't look like that or they don't have that specialty skill. So, oh shoot, they don't have that. That, that would be why they wouldn't get level three. Now, again, it doesn't solve every single issue, but being really transparent up front is going to solve a lot of problems. We implemented this, I believe, seven years ago now um, with our with our rubric process, and we adjust the rubric every year. We adjust it to meet the expectations of the score sheet. Uh, sometimes we're wrong. Sometimes we put it out before, well, we do put it out before score sheet changes happen, and so then we end up making adjustments as we make level evaluations. But generally speaking, we tend to be pretty close to accurate. And because we've always had very, very high tumbling expectations, we we typically f- are pretty safe with where we're at because we've always asked for kind of an above and beyond standpoint. And our parents know now. 
Like they just are very aware and we do not have a lot of bucking of the system at all because we're really transparent from the beginning. Uh, I always tell parents and athletes, and we talk about this in our parent meetings, et cetera, that when we place your athlete in their level group, when they find out what level group they make, which we practice in level groups for four weeks and then we place our teams. But when we, when you get your level group, no athlete should be surprised. The only potential surprise is if they get what we call a plus, which means they're invited to come to the next level up. Um, that might be a surprise for them. That might be an exciting thing, but no athlete should be shocked at where their level fell. They should have a really good idea because they can read in black and white exactly what they need to do. And since then we have had I mean, we've had a couple here or there, but for the most part, like in the last three years, I don't think we've had really a single like email, phone call, anything afterwards being like, I don't understand how they didn't make this level group when we can, everyone has read it. They know, go look at the rubric. And that was, and is my response sometimes. Hey, look at the rubric. This is what they threw. You tell me where that's at. Okay, exactly. That is why you just answered answered your question by using your resources, using the rubric, looking at it, saying exactly what they threw, and that's where it falls. So it's not a personal thing. It's just that's where, it at, where it's at. Number two is let them hear from you how the placement process works. Now, this one is a little bit harder, and this is actually, I'm, I'm going to call some of you out, sort of. I think there's a lot of really great people out there. Um, there's a lot of great influencers in the cheer industry. I like to consider myself a little bit of one because uh, I have a podcast, but I'm not always out there talking to parents. But there are great people like Jason Larkins on the Let's Talk Cheer podcast. Um, there's a number of people. There's a Jeff, there's Jeff Benson. There's other people who've made great posts or little videos, and they've put those things out there. And parents or coaches and owners. I've seen so many of them shared. So many of the trust the process posts shared. So many of links to Jason's podcast shared. He had a recent one talking about should my kid make junior two or youth two. And he used a snippet of one of their episodes to, to talk about that. And I've seen that one shared a lot. I mean, there's a lot of things being out there and being shared. And while I don't think those are bad, right? Those are not necessarily a bad thing. I've shared things. I've shared a couple of Jeff Benson's videos. I don't share a ton though, because at the end of the day, what the parents need to hear is my voice or Tori's voice. They need to hear from the ownership. They need to hear from the people who are running the gym, how placements work in their gym, because it's easy to dismiss someone else's opinion of how team placement should go. Even if that person is incredibly famous and they've won worlds and they've done all those things, it's easy to dismiss that person. Does it mean they won't listen? No. Does it mean they won't learn? No. Does it mean you shouldn't share things that are put out by great people like Jason's? No, absolutely not. You should put those things out there, but you also need to use them to complement your voice, to complement what you need to say and what you need, what your parents need to understand about your program. It's got to be you. You've got to be the brand because they're not going to go email Jason Larkins or, or Dan Cotton when their kid doesn't make a team and they're mad. They're going to email you and you're the person who's going to have to explain it. And if you, if you choose to explain it, uh, and if you just go, well, listen to this podcast, I'm not talking to you. It's, 
it it doesn't work quite right. Now, if you say, did you pay attention to the scoring video I did a week ago? That is where you need to you need to educate, and which is kind of going into topic three. But that's where you need to be a pro- part of the process. So we like to get out on the front end in our parent meeting talking about how the placement process works. I will do at least one, if not two videos over the next two weeks to talk about how our placement process works. So parents are understanding and parents are understanding where athletes are at. I'll also be talking about what, what team dynamics look like and I'll be going over things involving the score sheet of like, you need to understand we have to have X number of groups if we take X number of athletes and starting to explain some of those things. It's not my scoring education that I do, which I'll talk about here in a second, um, but it is a overall trying to build understanding of how we place teams. One of the jokes I always make with parents is like, how do we place teams when we go to do team placements? Well, obviously we put all the athletes names on a wall and we blindfold ourselves and we just throw darts. So whatever darts you throw and whatever athlete they hit closest to, that's who you get. Cause that's how some parents I think believe we do it when really we're playing chess here. Like they don't understand how much time goes into looking at all of the pieces. And we're trying to re look at a crystal ball and figure out what is going to be the best possible team. It's not an easy thing to do. And if you get out there and you explain to your parents and you talk to them about it, it makes a difference. Now you may not be comfortable with video. You may not be comfortable with getting in front of a microphone like I am. I know that that's not everyone's forte, but you've got, I, I just, I, I got to challenge you, get yourself, put yourself out there. And if it's not you put your all-star director out there, put someone out there, but there's got to be some communication. And unfortunately, video is the wave of the future. Can you write an email? Yes, absolutely. Are people going to read it? No, they're not. Can you write a post? Yes, absolutely. Are people going to read it? Maybe half of it. So you've got to get yourself out there. Live videos I find to be the best. People tend to tune into them and people listen to them afterwards. So live videos work really well for us. I stream directly to band and I make sure parents know how the team placement process is going to work. I even go into detail of, hey, We're going to meet on Friday and you're not going to hear about team placements until Saturday at noon, which means we'll have decided teams Friday night, but you're not going to find out until Saturday when we send out the emails and tell you what time to come to your signing on Sunday. So just know that that's going to be the case. And now I don't have parents sitting there, you know, posting all over their social media memes and stuff about waiting by the computer and they're not stressing out. And I just make sure because we place teams on Friday night that we make sure that all of our stuff is dialed in and ready to go. And we aren't rushed. We aren't stressed. We're not under the gun. We get a at our leisure, make these announcements and make sure they get out on time. And if we're a little bit early, even bet no one ever yells at us when we get in, get it done a little bit early, but we're not late anymore. And back in the day, I can remember when we used to meet, like we used to have our entire staff judge, and then we'd get together and we'd decide teams and we'd be there until like two, 3 AM. And you know, these parents are like, one minute after tryouts end are, you know, posting, sitting by the computer waiting. And it's like, what are you doing? You crazy person. Right. But now that we've communicated and we've educated them on how the placement process works, we don't have that problem anymore. And it comes from open communication. It comes from open communication, which brings me to my, well, actually the last thing I want to touch on and 
on let them hear how your placement process works is you need to also be touching base with your athletes. You need to be talking to them. Again, I don't want any athlete surprised at the team that they make. I want maybe some of them excited. Okay. There's going to be those kids who are trying to push to make a higher level, but I don't want any athlete shocked that they got moved down or, or some sort of a negative. They should know that's coming. There should have been multiple in-person conversations from the coach to let that athlete know where they're falling short and why it is that they may not make the team that they want to make. I do this a lot with my level four. I've talked about my level four a million times on the podcast. It's really hard to make. It's a hard team to make in the gym. And this year, my level six is pretty hard to make too. So those both those teams are really competitive. And so I'm going to be having conversations with kids and saying, look, you're not going to make the cut or you might, it depends on who else walks in the door over the next two weeks. And I'm going to be communicating those things really upfront and honest. So kids are not surprised when they don't make a team. They might be disappointed, certainly, but they're not going to be surprised. All right. The last one is educate, communicate, and cultivate. So this is kind of a three-part, right? Educate. No, we've got to teach our parents. Having parents who don't understand cheerleading is a disservice to you, it's a disservice to the athlete, and it's a disservice to the parent. It overall is going to create more problems. Are there moments where I've been annoyed with a parent who has looked at, you know, paid attention to all my uh, live streams and done all those things and they kind of throw a scoring thing in my face? Sure, every it's happened like once or twice and I'm like, look close, but you're not there, right? You don't understand. Um, let me explain it to you. But having parents who are educated on the score sheet, who know, okay, in the medium division, we have to build five stunt groups and then six stunt groups, or with this many athletes, we have to build this many stunt groups. It is helpful. They understand. And also understanding the education process of, look, we got to build a full team, right? You can't build a football team just full of wide receivers. You're not going to be successful. You need linemen. You need a quarterback. You need a center. You need all these other people who fill a variety of roles. So not every single person needs to be able to catch the ball really well, right? Just like not every single person needs to be able to make a block. Well, the same thing goes for cheer. Not every athlete has to throw all the tumbling skills. Some athletes have to be able to hold a foot or some athletes have to be flexible and be able to stand up. And explaining that and educating your parents on those things is going to make a huge difference in the longevity of retention and the reduction of stress. Communicate is all about what I was talking about with talking to the athletes, talking to the parents, making sure you're communicating what you're seeing, what you're thinking, where you're going. The more open you are with that, the better the announcement process is going to go. Now, is it going to eliminate all issues? No, it's not. Do you need to spend all your time communicating? No, you don't. This is again why I like live videos. I go live once a week for 30, maybe 40 minutes, answer some questions, do some things. And I have communicated with the masses and then coaches are individually communicating with the athletes and occasionally the parents. I definitely get annoyed this time of year. I have a lot of meetings where I have to sit down with athletes and a parent and talk about concerns or things like that. But most of the time, the, the two athletes I've had meetings with this year have been athletes who've realized I'm not going to make the team I want to make. I'm not cutting it. Where, what should I do? And they've been asking for advice or they've been like, oh, I think I should quit. And then I've talked them out of it. 
The last thing is cultivate. And what I want you to cultivate is a growth mindset with goals for the future. If you are cultivating that in your athletes and your parents, and you're giving them actionable steps coming out of team placements, you're going to have a better response. So when you've educated them, you've communicated to them what is most likely going to happen, and then you've cultivated a challenge for them, you're going to see more athletes rise to the occasion. Are you still going to have athletes quit? Yes, absolutely. You are. There are going to be, I've never had a year where at least one athlete hasn't quit after team placements because they were disappointed with the team they make. Generally, I know what athletes those are going to be, but you want to cultivate a growth mindset with goals for the future. Hey, next year, I want you to be 100% ready to make level three. And to do that, we're going to be focused on these shortcomings you have right now on level two. And I want to make sure you get into some privates. We need to get some classes going. We need to do all of these things and let it help explain to them and build into them, cultivate that growth and that that path, give them goals for the future and show that you're invested in seeing the athlete achieve their goal next year. Because most of us are not sitting here like, oh, I want to crush this kid's dreams. No, we actually just don't want to put an athlete who's not ready for our team on the team because it's detrimental to the team and it's detrimental to the athlete. And that's another piece of education that's hard. And probably the hardest piece of education I've tried to do is educating athletes on the misery of being on a team when you're not good enough um, and you don't really hang. It's it's not a lot of fun to be a nugget. I'm still surprised at how many athletes are willing to just be like, I am the world's best front spot and the best nugget. I don't do anything else but go to the back of the floor, nugget, and then get up and front spot a thing and then go to the back of the floor and nugget because my jumps suck. I can't tumble and I can't really hold a foot. Um, and so I'm just here. Uh, I'm I'm shocked at how many athletes, because I, I would think it was zero, are okay doing that. So making sure you're educating them on what it is you want to see them educate, communicate, and cultivate that growth mindset. So as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, this has been a really frequent topic online, and it's been a frequent topic with my clients. I mean, I feel like I cannot log on any single day without seeing some sort of really heartbreaking story. And and honestly, my heart breaks for you guys that are struggling with these issues. They are absolutely miserable. There is no doubt. And to be completely honest, I've been there. I've absolutely experienced those things. I've had those two-hour phone calls after placements where a parent is just berating you and telling you how awful you are for crushing their kids' dreams of being on X level uh, because they didn't throw their tuck and they it's just because they were it's all your fault that their athlete didn't throw their skills. It isn't easy. And this is where having a mentor can really be helpful because you can plan for these things. You can also learn. I've been working with a, a couple of my clients on a process to insulate themselves from this so they can stay focused on the things that they need to be doing as an owner and they need to be doing as an owner and a coach within the gym and they can pass off some of this stuff to people who are less emotionally invested because if you're a gym owner or you're the person making decisions like I'm I come across as very direct and tough and and crass and I I probably am tough but I am actually fairly sensitive like it is I, my feelings get hurt. Like I don't actually like being told that I'm trying to crush a kid's dreams. Like that 
hurts my feelings. Now, I've over time become very comfortable with who I am and and my worth. And so that doesn't rattle me quite as much, but I still think about it. It still impacts me and I still stress out about it. So I've worked with clients on how to insulate themselves, which I'm going to be honest, that's for my clients. So that's if people wanting to learn that, I'm I'm sorry, there are some things that I hold for people who get coaching through me. I give a lot of stuff out for free on these episodes, but that's one of the ones that I'm not willing to just kind of give away. Um, but it is an amazing, there are some amazing tips and tricks to insulate yourself from this. And this is again, where a mentor can really make a difference in guiding you through this process. The biggest risk though, in all of this, in all of this, if you implement tough standards and you're transparent and you say exactly how things are going to go, the biggest risk is not staying the course because you're going to be faced with an option of give in to a demand to keep an athlete or stay the course and do what you know is right. And you are going to have to look your fear directly in the eye and shut it down. And that's not easy. You're going to have to stay the course in a very difficult circumstance when you want to cave. But for the long-term longevity of your program, you need to stay the course. You need to stick to your guns. Even if it means that kid that you absolutely love is not going to cheer for you this year. And I know that's a crummy thing to say, but generally if they're putting those kind of ultimatums on you and that's an issue, then they weren't as invested as you thought they were. Now, can you make mistakes? Sure, absolutely. And you should admit those mistakes. So if you mistakenly put a kid on a team or you underestimate them, or my favorite is the coaches who like take a personal grudge against a kid because they coached them last year and they didn't really like them. And now that kid has worked hard to get skills and then they want to they want to like punish them later. And it's like, you, you can't do that. Like you got to give kids an opportunity to show what they can do. Now that doesn't mean you just ignore everything you know about them. Absolutely not. I have a couple kids that I'm looking at very closely going, okay, yeah, you, you threw some great stuff at your evaluation, but are you going to maintain is the question. So you've got to stare that fear in the eye and you got to stick to your guns and it's not easy. I actually remember being in the position of making some of these changes myself. And I was, what started it was I was really tired of not being as successful as I wanted to be. And I was looking for answers. And I realized, uh, as often tends to happen, that I was a big part of the problem. I was one of the key limiting factors. And it was my own presuppositions and my own assumptions that were actually limiting me. I would say things like, If I do this, everyone will quit, or I know it won't work, or that's not going to be successful, when really I didn't know any of those things. And the fact was that when I implemented these things, people didn't all quit, and people did stay, and some did, a few did, and you you know when you make a big change like this, you're going to have some losses, but you're you're taking a short-term loss for a long-term gain. Because people like to be in a competitive environment. People want to be in an environment where they are challenged, where they can grow, where they're held accountable. I know that's a hard thing to believe in today's day and age, but people still want to be held accountable. People still want that. And so building that into your program and sticking to your guns will actually lead to a better program long-term. And you're actually going to get more athletes, in my opinion. 
So leaving this episode, I want you to make a plan. I want you to write down because, and I always say write down X, Y, and Z because writing down is best and you're less likely to forget. So write some things down. What I would like you to do is go into a room and you can bring someone with you if, you, if it's a group project, but go into a room, go, get separated, get off your computer. And I want you to write down all of the stupid questions that you get from parents and then determine if that stupid question is really that stupid and it's an issue for them. Like they just are not intelligent about things and these are things that they do know, or is this an issue that more than one singular person might have in the future, a confusion that someone else might have, something that someone else might not understand why a backspot made a team when they don't have the tumbling or why a flyer did, or why an athlete who did have the tumbling didn't make a team, or why technique matters, or those kind of questions that are things that are going to come up again. There are going to be people who don't understand those things. So determine if it was a singular issue, just that person is just, they are just difficult and they're most 99.9% of people are going to understand the thing that they have a question about, or is this something that you could see people in the future having questions about? And if it could be an issue in the future, then that is something that you want to answer ahead of time. You want to build training around, or you want to build a plan for how you're going to educate your clients in the future to understand those things. And I'm not, I'm not perfect at this. Every year I try to increase the educational resources we have and the information that I'm putting out and increase the knowledge base for my clients. So I'm not perfect, um, but it's always my goal to be able to answer clients' questions for them before they even ask. So as they're thinking, I wonder why that kid's making that team, I'm already answering it. Before they're even asking it, I've already answered it in a video or in something else. So they're able to come to the same conclusions I am. So we're now on the same wavelength for most of the decisions. So when I make a decision, it's not a shock. It's like, oh yeah, that makes sense. That's exactly what I would have expected Dan and Tori to do. That's what I would have expected the coaches to do because I know how they think because they've trained me, they've educated me on their thought processes. All right, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, if you loved it, make sure you share it. And always, I mentioned his podcast earlier, but you've got to check out the Let's Talk to Your podcast, especially this time of year. A lot of really great content talking about tryouts, talking about things to be considering, talking about important stuff. The cool thing about his podcast is he is talking to parents as well. So there are parents listening to him and, and using him as a resource. So you don't even have to be the one sharing it sometimes. So make sure you check out the Let's Talk Cheer podcast. Thank you for joining us on this episode, and we will catch you on the next one. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Next Generation Gym Owners People and Profits podcast. If you would like to be featured on our podcast, click.